If you're in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area and need something great and fun to do, why not stop in to Pinball PA? Located in Aliquippa, just 10 minutes from the Pittsburgh airport, there's over 420 games on the floor. 200-some pinball machines, 200-some of your favorite video games. That's Donkey Kong, Asteroids, Space Invaders. You name it, it's there. So check it out, Pinball PA. Go online see what all is going on there at pinballpa.com. Once again, pinballpa.com. Pinball PA, it's where the action is. It is CMS Music with Chris Aiken and I, of course, am Chris Aiken. And joining me today, a legend of hard rock and heavy metal of sorts. He is uh, he is one of the founders of the mighty Blue Oyster Cult. He's also one of the founders of Blue Coop, which has been kicking it recently and doing a great job as well. And he is back with, I'm going to say, the, the culmination of 40 years of an idea with Imaginos 2, bombs over germany he of course is mr albert bouchard albert how are you man i'm great great thank you chris sure man well albert it, it's great to talk to you it's great to see imaginos being fully realized you know it's it's one of those things people in the that are blue oyster cult fans have always talked about this record and it it has you know the a weird history to it that it Maybe it was a Blue Oyster Cult record. Maybe it was a solo record for you that sort of got pulled into Blue Oyster Cult, you know, but it's always had that lure. So why don't we start there? Why don't you just to kind of spell it out, talk a little bit about this idea and how it has grown to where we are today with Imaginos 2. Okay. So uh, this was a story that Sandy Perlman told me in 1968, you know, within a couple weeks of meeting him, really, it was very soon after I met him. And he told me this story about, you know, this idea he had for a story, which I thought was great. It was like, it was epic. It was like a big, huge story, you know, that spanned uh, several centuries and, you know, all the cultures and all over the world. And, and so I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, and then, uh, but I thought it was going to be like a book or something. Right. Okay. And then um, he's, you know, so uh, this was even before he had ever written any songs with us. So eventually he started writing songs and all the songs that he wrote had kind of like this kind of uh, uh, things about dreams and visions and seeing with your eyes closed and all these, uh, you know, uh, references to uh, um, sight and, okay. uh, and things like that. And so, uh, Eventually, you know, uh, when we recorded uh, Astronomy, and uh, and I remember that uh, Alan Lanier was like, Sandy, does it have to be, call me Desdenova. It's like, Desdenova, he is a shapeshifter. He can, he can be a man or a woman, you know, so big deal, you know. So mm -hmm. that, we got into this whole, debate about like oh desdenova is imaginos this is before we recorded astronomy 
Okay. So that was that was like the that was the first uh, song that we uh, realized was a, a part of the Imaginos thing. And then, of course, then he was like, "Well, that's what Blue Oyster Cult is too." And we're like, "Oh, oh," because you know when uh, we were trying to find a name for the group, you know, we're about to sign, you know, we'd been signed to Electra, and, right. you know, and I had told my brother Joe, yeah, 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 we got a record contract. We're opening for Led Zeppelin. Come down and join the band. We need a bass player. So he said, okay. And uh, he gets he gets to the band house, and, you know, I think it took him a few days to come, you know. Okay. It was like, because he had to stop at his his girlfriend's mother's house, you know, and all this mm -hmm. stuff and tell her, oh, you know, I'm going to New York City to live with these guys. And by the time he got to the house, Electra had dropped us from the <laughs> label and the Led Zeppelin concert fell through. So oh, we had geez. not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, so, yeah. anyway, anyway, so when we were trying to, uh, find a name for the group, you know, when we got, when we, you know, a year later after Joe's been in the band for a year, we got another record deal and we needed a name. And so Sandy said, Blue Oyster Cult, we'll just call it after the, name it after the, the poem that I wrote, you know, that I hope you'll turn into a song someday. And we're like, oh, Sandy, there's so many lyrics there, you know, we were used to doing blues songs, you know, where it's, uh, you know, five lines, <laughs> you repeat it a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, so so uh, so we would do these songs, and around the time of I would say Cultosaurus Erectus, you know, okay. a little bit in mirrors, but really more Cultosaurus Erectus. You know, we tried. Uh, we we made this record with Tom Werman because we didn't want to. We didn't want Sandy Proman and Murray Krugman. They'd produced all the records up until that one. And so we were like, we want to try a different producer, you know, we want to, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, we'd had great success when David Lucas came back and, mm -hmm. you know, co-produced uh, Agents of Fortune and uh, Spectres, you know, those were, you know, gold and platinum records. So we said, you know, and we need, and then, we, so he, uh, he said, okay, I'll bow out. And we got uh, uh, Tom Worman to produce the record. And pretty much everybody was disappointed, you know, in the record. I, I don't know how Tom felt. I think Tom felt it was okay. But the band was disappointed. The record company was disappointed. Sandy was disappointed. So he said, listen, I've got, you know, you know, yes, it's a very commercial sounding record, but it's this next record we should be all my songs and we should do the story of imaginos you know albert's okay. already got you know half, half a dozen songs you know written for this and uh and we can use uh you know the song that eric wrote uh uh subhuman you know we use that one and we can use astronomy and we can use some of the already and they're like no 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 we're not we're not going to do a all all sandy proman uh sure album you know uh, i think that you know especially after reaper you know the the kind of the the attitude changed in the band where everybody uh wanted to get their song on the record sure because with reaper you know with agents of fortune you know and, and this had nothing to do with me other than the, that i uh i just wrote a lot of songs i mean i had 
tons of them. I had like, I don't know, 25 songs, you know, I still, I'm still mining that, right. <laughs> that vein, you know, that, that creative period before Agents of Fortune. So I ended up writing half the songs on the record. And when it came time to split the money, I said, oh, just give everybody the same. And which they did, but they didn't, they didn't want to set that precedent. So it was like, well, we owe you this money, but we'll, you know, mm-hmm. we'll make, you know, so, you know, but then, then it turned into this whole thing where everybody wanted their record, their songs on the record, and they didn't want to do a whole, uh, whole album of Sandy's songs. And they also felt that it wasn't going, you know, they were still chasing the hit, you know, and, uh, and of course, then we, then we, with Cultosaurus Erectus and Martin Birch, he's like, you know, fuck the hit. <laughs> you know, just make a Blue Oyster Cult record. You know, that's what I want to do, you know. Right. So uh, that was his, his, and that was my attitude, too. It was like, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, for, forget chasing the hit. Just just write, do as good as you can. And if something comes out of it, cool. And if not, then so anyway, so uh, so Sandy was still trying to get the band to, to do it, you know, as a Blue Oyster Cult record, and they didn't want to do it. Now, you know, what happened after that was particularly ironic considering they didn't want to do imagine right well well albert let me let me pull back to to imagine for a minute um you know the fact that you that you brought imaginos to and reimaginos you know before this back says to me as an outside fan looking in that you personally never felt like it was explored to the level that you wanted to creatively. Is that accurate? That is exactly accurate. So, you know, when I made the Imaginos thing and then Columbia didn't, they didn't like, uh, they didn't like the record. They said, Oh, we can't sell this. This is just not, you know, Albert Bouchard, nobody knows. There's no name recognition. We've spent like, they've spent like, uh, about uh, half a million dollars on it. So they wanted to try and, you know, market it a little easier. Mm -hmm. So they said, uh, and Sandy said, well, you know, you got to put this out. They're like, well, we're just not going to put it out. We've already spent more money than we we, were ever going to make on this, you know, so uh, we're not putting any more money into it. And he's like, well, what if it's a Blue Oyster Cult record? And they were like, yes we'll put it out if it's BOC right. because that'll work. So he approached the guys and said, uh, listen, Columbia won't put it out unless it's a blue oyster coat record. Okay. I really, you know, he basically begged them to put their name on it. And they said, well, you have to give us some money, which he did, you know, some more money, you know, right. out of, out of our pocket, you know, for them to, to uh, participate in it. And of course, so it came out as a Blue Oyster Cult record after all. Right. Were, were, were you satisfied with that, though, or did you want it to be an Albert Bouchard record? Oh, I always, I wasn't satisfied. It, it was like, it was a step, you know, it was like, okay, well, you know, but you got to have me back in the band. That was my, uh, that was my uh, uh, only condition. And of sure. course, as soon as it came out, they're like, now nah, we changed our mind. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that was, that was one thing is that I was not in a position to, to uh, promote the record. You know, they went out on tour. Uh, I didn't have a band. I think it was in 1988. So at that point I, I had 
taken a job in a high school as a teacher. Okay. So uh, I couldn't even go out on tour, you know, unless I was like part of the band and was going to, you know, participate in uh, the whole, the whole deal. Sure. So, uh, so I couldn't promote it. Uh, not only that, but it was supposed to be a double vinyl record, which, you know, when we started, there was no, no such thing as a CD, sure. but it ended up coming out on uh, a single vinyl record and cassette and CD, but it, they left off two songs. I guess they didn't want to mix them or whatever. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, I know that, you know, the, that those two songs that never came out, they had, you know, I had had Joe, Joe Sarasano who sang, uh, Frank, you know, a siege investiture of Frankenstein's castle on, on, you know, the, the record that did come out. So he did more vocals. He did vocals on the two songs that they didn't put on. So it wasn't a matter of that. They weren't good enough. They just didn't want to spend the money to make a double, sure. double vinyl. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And the other thing was that, um, it was supposed to be a, a trilogy. There was supposed to be three records. There was Imaginos, Imaginos 1, actually, and then there was going to be Imaginos 2, which was going to be called Bombs Over Germany, or uh, Germany Minus Zero and Counting, you know, one of those two titles. And, uh, and then the third record, Imaginos 3, was going to be called The Mutant Reformation. Okay. <laughs> nice. So, so uh so that was that's that's so when i put out uh and and this is known to a lot of the hardcore blue oysticle fans they know about this whole story sure. so uh i put it out there you know i was like well if you know as soon as i started doing reimaginos and started promoting it and doing these interviews they were always asking well what about are you going to do the rest of the trilogy and i'm like well, I'll see if people mm -hmm. like it, if it sells, you know, if I, if I can just break even on it, I'll sure. be, you know, I'll, I'll make another one, you know? And of course it did way more than break even. It, it did great. You know, I made the charts with that. And so I was like, okay, that's it. I'm doing all, all three of them, you know? Okay. It's, yeah. Sure. So, so were, were they all, so then is all of the material that's on like Imaginos 2 and then I'm assuming that will be on Imaginos 3, is this all material from the original concept or are you writing now to fit the concept that you had drawn back then? <laughs> well, like, like, uh, reimagine those. I, I am, I, uh, I just, uh, I'm not really rewriting the whole thing, but I am trying to make the story a, a little bit clearer. Like okay. for instance, putting, putting black telescope on there, you know, originally, uh, Sandy wanted workshop of the telescopes to lead off, uh, Imaginos two bombs over mm -hmm. Germany. And, uh, and, uh, as I was doing reimaginos, I remembered that. And so I was like, kind of getting, I was putting together songs that were going to fit into this concept, you know, or songs that were planned to be in this concept. So, when I heard that one, I said, you know, I think that would fit better on Reimaginos because it's about the it's about the sea seafaring guy and right. you know and uh, and I especially uh, when I re uh, rearranged it to be like a, a sea shanty, 
you know, with the, with the, with the tin whistle in there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this really fits on this record. So, so that's why I put it on that one. And, you know, uh, so yeah, but to answer your question, all the songs, uh, almost all the songs are at least partially written. You okay. know, some are written, but I'm going to change the lyrics. Sure. I'm going to change the lyrics a little bit. So I have a plan for, you know, uh, I mean, the bombs over Germany was, you know, we discussed that quite a bit, Sandy sure. and I, because that was going to be the next one, you know. So as we're winding down, you know, we're like, okay, so this is what's going to happen on this one. So I had a very clear idea about the second uh, Imaginos, okay. uh, but the third one is not not so defined. You know, okay. he just basically said it's. Uh, it's going to be called the mutant reformation because the humanity has destroyed itself right. at the end of uh, uh, Act Two, and uh, so um, what's left? You know, how is how uh, how is life going to continue on Earth? So you know, and he suggested, well, the aliens are they're going to come and they're going to stay. Right, <laughs> they're going to take over basically, and sure. and what's left of that aren't aliens, they will, you know, they will be the mutants, and they will, you know, uh, you know, regroup and uh, and uh, and eventually come back. So he said, you know, but he said, well, I said, well, what about a happy ending? He's like, well, no. it's not going to be a it's not going to be a depressing ending. Right. It's, okay. It's got to be a. It's got to be uplifting ending, whether it's happy or or just uh, you know one of those uh, sure you know, those other kind of endings. But so and uh, you know I had I had actually um, when he had his accident and I visited him in the hospital, I made a promise to him that I was going to do all three acts and okay. I was going to redo this thing. And and it's taken me a while to to get uh, to to really think that I could do it. Actually, even sure. you know, without you know, I mean, Blue Coop didn't really they didn't seem uh, enthusiastic. And uh, and the other thing is that I I started working with this uh, band out of San Francisco. So it's a space rock band, and okay. they originally grew out of. Uh, people you know like people that had played with Dave Brock and Hawkwind and so uh the you know I was contacted by the guy that that leads it uh Don Falcone and uh he asked me if I wanted to do it and I and uh it was uh it was uh Michael Moorcock's Dances at the Edge of Time which is a trilogy okay so uh I did that, and and when I was making the first one, I was really having a great time, just like creating all this music that was all leading to this one story. Sure. You know, we basically we took uh, every chapter, and we would either make it a verse or a whole song. You know, okay. but, but everything, it, all the music, all the lyrics were directly uh, influenced by uh, this book. You know, each book. There was three books all together. So we just we did the second uh, uh, second uh, one of the trilogy, the second chapter, I guess, or the second act of the trilogy last year. Uh, uh, 
while I was, you know, and I had just finished it and then I started on uh, Reimaginos. So. Okay. So, yeah. I, you know, I still have the third act for that one to do, but, but sure. I, I told him, you know, you, thanks to you, Don, in Don Falcone, I said, thanks to you, I, uh, I, I started thinking that, yes, I can do this. I can, I can do this all by myself. I don't need Sandy, you know, I mean, it would be great if he was still here. You know, but you know, all all the people that know him say he would be thrilled. Oh. You know, to see what I've been doing. He's, and in he's, the end, that's what you were going for, right? Yeah, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. To realize that vision that he had, sure. And, you know that I that I shared with him. Sure. Now, now, uh, Albert, I I have to say, from hearing your story, especially about Imaginos, where it was supposed to be your record, and then it, it more or less got wedged into Blue Oyster Cult, which doesn't sound like you were thrilled with that. I'm surprised that you have so many Blue Oyster Cult people playing on Imaginos too. Was that, does that mean like, I mean, does that have any meaning? Does it just mean that you're in a better place now with those guys and you want to work with them or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've been actually working with them on and off for the last, well, since I, they took me out on tour in 2016. Sure. So since then we've been working on stuff all the time, almost okay. a, a constant, you know, the drummer Jules just, he lives down the road here. So we get together and jam, you know, okay. and, you know, he's played, uh, he played on the spirits burning, record too you know all the guys did eric and buck and richie you know danny miranda has played on there i i didn't get chasm on there but danny was danny's played on a number of those things so sure. you know it's it's basically I, all my people all right exactly. <laughs> dictators and uh <laughs> you know shaking street and all the all the bands that i'm associated with right and and, and for you that's got to be great because you get to Without without having to necessarily join a project that maybe you're not quite as, you know, fully invested in now, you get to work with all your people. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all yeah. know you're in a band. It's a friendship. So it's you know, it's like a family. Yeah. And and now for you with this record anyway, you really got to reconnect with so many family members, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like 17 musicians on on the record, so that's it's pretty awesome. Sure, pretty awesome. No question. Now, now, Albert, um, the last few years, you, you've gotten a nice bump, I, I think, nationally with Blue Coop. Blue Coop definitely came from out of nowhere, kind of, and, and really got some good attention. You know, and that's obviously with your brother and Dennis Dunaway. Mm -hmm. um, were you surprised at the attention that that project got as its own entity, not as compared to the other bands that you guys had been to? I wasn't really surprised. I mean, uh, I, you know, that, but that band is like, that was never even supposed to be like a professional deal. That was just a hobby. You know, it's just okay. like we got together and we played a gig and somehow people heard about it and said, Oh, would you like to do this? And would you like to do that? And it's still like that. We don't have a manager. We don't have a, a booking agent. You know, people just, they will write to me or they'll write to Dennis or they'll write to Joe and say, Hey, could, Blue Coop come and do this thing. So, yeah, we still are getting gigs. We've got a, a couple gigs this uh, coming summer, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a great. You know, we always have fun. That's sure. that, that's the only goal is to have fun. You know, and national attention. You know, that's fine too. You know, I mean, but you know, you got 
basically three very strong songwriters right. together in one group. And, and uh, even though we've only made three records, we've done a bunch of other stuff for other people, you mm. know, as a group. So, uh, and even when we play live, you know, I would say uh, maybe 30 to 40% of the time, we we have a guest artist come and and sit in with us and play with us just you know especially like guitar players like we had uh, ryan roxy sure. come and he played a bunch of gigs with us we had steve conti come and he played some gigs so you know we had uh nick didinsky who's in a prog rock band uh you know we had a bunch of we've always had you know we had when we were in europe we had uh this guy who was the, he was the uh the the best Alice Cooper uh, tribute act in uh, in Scotland. He okay. came and did, did some Alice Cooper songs with us. It was you know so it's always you know you know because there's only three guys. There's room for for people to come in and you know do their thing. Right. I don't get the impression that you have any thoughts at all of retiring now or ever. True. I already did retire. I retired from my teaching back. job. <laughs> my teaching job. Well, I retired from music when I, I didn't really retire though, because right. I would always, I continued to make records the whole time that I was teaching. Right. Uh, there was a couple of years where I just did, you know, I had to go back to school. I dropped out of college to uh, start uh, the band that became Blue Oyster Cult with, uh, with Buck Dharma. Right. You know, we were both in college together and uh, we dropped out together to, to start this band. So uh, I didn't have a college degree when I started teaching. So I had to go back to school, get a degree. And then after you get the degree, you've got to get a master's. So I eventually there was a year where I was getting my master's where I was just like, you know, right. <laughs> up to my eyeballs and, and homework and reading and writing and all this other stuff, you know, that just, which was, was good for me. You know, I think that when I went back to college to finish, instead of the first time where I was out of high school and I was like, I want to get a job that makes a lot of money. I want to be a civil engineer, you know, right. work outside all the time during the day, you know? So eventually I realized, wait a minute, no, you know, uh, it's better to do something that you really love. And it's really, if you're going to go to college for something, it's better to st study something that you're really into. Like when I was in college, the first time I would get like, I got like maybe one or two B's okay. and then everything else was a C except for a couple D's and a couple F's. So, <laughs> you know, whereas when I went back and I took music, right. uh, you know, I my, got my degree in music. I got nothing but A's. Right. And then when I uh, went to uh, graduate school, I got two B's and everything else was A. So, you know, because I was studying things that I wanted to study. I, I got a graduate degree in English. Sure. Okay. So. Excellent. Now, you know, um, Albert, I've always been curious about this with Blue Oyster Cult specifically. And, and I think it comes from the fact that I'm just a touch young for Blue Oyster Cult. I'm, I'm 53. So I, I, you guys were kind of, you'd already had the biggest success that the band had just before I really became a music guy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. 
my my thought though always was blue oyster cult if you guys would have come out five years six years later you would have had the chance to make the gigantic money and not that blue oyster cult was not big i i certainly understand it was but I always felt like, you know, the, the 80s is when all the money came into, into the industry. So when, when you look at it, do you, do, is there a part of you that ever thought about, man, I wish we would have just come back, come out a little later? Or were you just thrilled no. that it happened at all? Because it doesn't happen for so many weeks. Well, I think that, you know, if we'd come out later, you know, who knows? There might not have been a Metallica, you know. I True. mean, I'm sure there would have been, but it wouldn't wouldn't have been the same. I mean, so we did we blazed some ground for for you know those groups that made all that money, and I don't begrudge them at all. You know, sure. they deserve it. For me, uh, I you know, ever since I left the band, basically, even even when I was still in the band, uh, I've always had enough money. I okay. mean, I've always had, you know, uh, uh, not, not rich. I could, I, you know, if I wanted something, I would have to save for it. Like, you know, like normal people do. Right. You know, I couldn't just, you know, do the Michael Jackson thing and right. go play the toilets or something, you know, that I don't <laughs> even know if I'd want. I right. think I wouldn't want that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no question. It, it, it just seems, it, it just seems to me that, the seventies for, for as many great rock slash metal bands as there were, it just seems like there's an inordinate amount of those bands that didn't, didn't reap the benefit from it that I will say lesser bands from the eighties. And I, you know, I don't want to name any specifically, but there were a lot of bands that made a lot of money in the eighties that did not have the musical chops and the, the songwriting chops of, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, a Led Zeppelin, a Black Sabbath, uh, you know, all of those bands just seem to have more pure talent to me. Do you agree? Or? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that um, I don't know how important chops are. I think that if you have good, if you're a good player, you can create some interesting things for people, you know, especially or more intriguing things possibly. But, you know, what what it takes to to be successful in music is 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 not that complicated. You know, I think it's you look at a band like Kiss, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, do they have amazing chops? No. Not really. Absolutely not. You know, they're as simple as you can get just about. So, you know, uh and there's so many, you know, uh, you know, Kiss fans that just, you know, they, they, uh, they have a real uh, strong fan base, and a lot of like musicians that can play rings around them love Kiss. Right? Sure. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely. So, right. you know, it's uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm fairly satisfied with. Uh, uh, the success. I don't think I've ever really felt frustrated about for the lack of success. I think that it's more like the other thing that I can't believe I'm still making all this money. Right. And it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago that I wrote these songs and I'm still getting paid on them. <laughs> Holy crap. Right. That is, well, that's some crazy stuff. But it is, but at the same time, even the kids today 
know these songs. So it, it's it's not like the I mean the legendary songs that that you guys had. You know, obviously, don't fear the Reaper, Godzilla, blah blah. You know, people still know these songs today. You know, burning for you. People still relate to those songs today. They're in the games. They're on commercials. They're, you know, it's not, it, you are in a very select few collection of bands like Rolling Stones and Zep and whatever, you know, that, that have songs that are going to be, they were known then they're known. Now they're going to be known after you and I both have long since left. And, you know, that might be the the most important gift you as a musician have ever provided the world as you created something that is truly timeless. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, when I was starting out, uh, I remember somebody saying that, you know, music is like the soundtrack to everybody's life. And, and uh, you know, that it's, that it is like the background where, the events of your life take place. And I thought that was really cool. And I'd love to be able to do that. And of course, when I was very young, when I was like 12 and I had the little rock band with my brother and my cousin, sure, I was always like, I just want to hear my song on the radio. You know, right? yeah. Imagine my surprise last week when I watched the, you know, the reboot of uh, Dexter. Right. And the first episode. Mm-hmm. Burning for you. Right. That's right. <laughs> Whoa. That is really, I love that show. So, you know, I was very interested to see how it, how it would go, you know, what, what would happen, you know, now that he's up in, up in the woods, you know, right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you, Albert, and I don't know the answer. Do you have, do you have kids or grandkids? I have two sons. That's it. No grandkids. Okay. When, when that happens, when, when something comes up like the Dexter thing, do you immediately pick up the phone and make a call or a text and say, Hey, did you see, you know, or are you just, you just kind of contain it for yourself? No. Yeah. I mean, I know that, uh, my older son texted me and said that some, you know, he, he happened to turn on a football game, which he doesn't even really watch. And he saw okay. that they played Reaper. Okay. You know, in the football game, it was a you know a NFL game. So sure, Dude. <laughs> I mean they will tell me if they see something. You know, sure. hey, Brad, you know, <laughs> you you say that like that happens to all of us, man. It doesn't happen very <laughs> often, man. It's a good thing, man. <laughs> well, Albert, obviously, man, imagine those two bombs over Germany, minus zero and counting. Long title, well worth the long title because it's a great listen. I suggest everybody buy it if if and if you don't buy it, at least listen to it because it's a really, really strong second piece to the story. I know I personally am looking forward to Imagine Those Three whenever that comes. And um, Albert, uh, you know, um, just want to say once again, thanks for joining me here on CMS Music. Oh, it's my pleasure, my pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Classic Metal Show. Get all of our episodes uncensored at www.theclassicmetalshow.com. Join us weekly from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Eastern at www.cmsradio.net. Participate in the live chat room at www.chatandkill.com. Once again, 
Thank you for checking out the Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris. Hail and kill. Fuck you, pal. And hand job.